This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler, General Manager here at WZIP. Today I'm joined by David Tefteller. He is an Associate Professor of Instruction at the University of Akron, more specifically in the School of Counseling. You know, we've had people from the School of Counseling on Zips Unlimited before, and I, I think in most cases the the emphasis really had to do with something more more kind of hands-on, more talking about maybe a specific service that's available, um, and maybe just general information to our audience about um, some of the things people are going through during COVID and, right. and some things like that. This is a little bit different, and we can certainly talk about some of those other things that are available through the school counseling. Uh, but more specifically, this time, we want to talk a little bit about the degree programs that are available through the school counseling at the University of Akron. David, i got to tell you, I did not realize until, like, right now almost— <laughs> That there were no undergraduate degrees. It's it's purely grad school it is. at school counseling. That's correct? That, that's correct, yeah. Sometimes I think folks kind of forget we're here on campus because we're a couple blocks, you know, north of the main part of campus on the corner of Forge and Fur Hill. But, yeah, yeah we're a relatively small uh, school or department that has just uh, three master's-only um, programs currently. So we're trying to get basically um, the word out into the general um, university community about um, what we offer, sometimes folks don't even know in the undergrad programs that we have um, really high-quality uh, counseling and marriage, family therapy, and school counseling programs right here on campus. So that's sort of the purpose of why I'm here today is to talk a little bit more about what they are and an open house coming up soon. And those are the three areas, the thing you just they said, are. family, they are. marriage? So the school counseling okay. houses essentially the school counseling program for those who want to go into schools. Like to be a, school, a guidance counselor that's or something? right, okay. guidance counselor. Then we have the community mental health counseling program, which is your, your standard outpatient um, counselor in the community, largely individually based, but very holistic still. And then there's the marriage and family therapy program, which um, its emphasis is on working more so individuals also, but certainly couples and families and taking a more systemic approach to um, the counseling that's done. So there's three kind of distinct areas, but they're all underneath the uh, umbrella of counseling. Now, if, if there's no um, you know undergraduate program that would feed into that within the School of Counseling, what, what types of programs might I... Sure. You know, what other degree would I have as an undergrad that would probably make me in a good position for what you're describing? Great question. Um, we do have quite a, I mean, as you could probably guess, we have quite a few psych undergrads. Yeah, um, I think sense. sometimes, frankly, undergrads assume that maybe we prefer a psych um, degree. And the, the, the truth is we, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if speaking statistically wise, I don't have these exact numbers in my head. I would say most come from psych programs. Um, certainly child and family development, mm -hmm. sometimes um, basic um, school of communication. But really, we'll take anybody who is a really good interview, who wants to help folks, who is a people person, who's a good learner. And we've had people from all different backgrounds in terms of their undergrad degree. So there is mm -hmm. no one specific or two specific tracks that we prefer. It really is more about a fit for that person going into the field uh, itself. Frankly, myself, really quick to bore you, I, I was sort of a second career in my late 20s where I was in the, the quality control and business um, realm, I had a communications degree, and I just sort of stumbled upon the field itself and started doing more research mm -hmm. and getting some jobs to help, prepare, help me prepare for it. But you don't have to be a psych undergrad, although quite a few probably are typically. Now, your communication was at, like, a, like we have a strategic organizational communication sure. major here that I think would be a great fit. It would be. To go to grad school for counseling. There's an organizational comm as well, I believe, too, right? There, well, we've, we've kind of combined things over the years. Okay. Right okay. now, it's Strad.org. 
Um, but it has to do, you know, with communicating different types of, you know, right. different various types of messages to various types Absolutely. of groups and that sort of thing. And um, strategic communication, you know, falls into that. What What was your communication? It program? was just basic human communication. Okay. Was that here? It was at Arizona. I'm from back west. I, I went okay. to Arizona State, and frankly, I thought I was going to go to get an MBA, or maybe go to law school at some point. Uh-huh. So I was trying to avoid math as much as possible. I was doing <laughs> the exact same thing. Right. <laughs> I wanted to avoid math and but prepare myself for grad school. But I fell in love with quantitative research actually later wow, in well, grad you're school. A better so man than I, I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> had to do that eventually in my master's and doctoral programs, but no, I, I didn't want to do much math. So it was just human calm, but I, I later on had a, realized I had a love for helping people, and uh, I wanted to help folks. I wanted to help family specifically. That's why I personally went into marriage and family therapy. But no, you're right. Calm would be a great lead way into what we're doing because, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, part of being a great counselor or a therapist is being able to communicate well and help other people learn how to communicate better as well. Now, to, to, to be, you know, a counselor, which I, I guess what I call it a certified counselor or a licensed counselor. Yes, licensed what? counselor. So, yeah, and it, I'm glad you brought that up. In a nutshell, our programs are accredited, which is very important, of course. And the, uh, the uh, CMHC program is accredited by KCRIP, which allows one, once they graduate, to be eligible for, to sit for licensure as a licensed professional counselor in the state of Ohio. Um, similarly, the MFT program is licensed by COA MFTE. It's a bunch of acronyms. I won't bore you, but that allows you essentially with your degree to be eligible to sit for licensure as a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Ohio. So all of our programs lead directly uh, to eligibility for licensure in the state of Ohio at the highest level. Okay. And you need to have... You do. You need to have the license. Yep. Do you need a master's degree to get the license? You do. So okay. in order to be eligible to even sit for the exam, you either have to come from an accredited program like we have, or technically speaking, you could go to other programs that offer similar classes, but you have to jump through a lot of hoops if they're not accredited, to basically prove to the state licensure board in Columbus that you've gone through the rigmarole and taken enough classes and had sufficient training to know what you need to know in order to take that exam and be a counselor. I'll tell you what, there's a chance I would not want to take, even if I could get away with it. You should go to an accredited program, suffice it to say. Yeah, I I don't think I would want to be, feel responsible for, for getting into that type of work and you know, thinking I'm going to be helping people when I really don't maybe have the sufficient Sufficient knowledge base you know, to go about that in a way that, that I can walk away feeling good about it. And hopefully the people yeah. that I talk to are Very feeling true. even better. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. With our, with our degrees, you essentially send in the application to the state board. And once they see your degree is from one of our programs, then, then you're, you're golden because they know that we adhere to strict accreditation standards. Mm-hmm. So there's not even a second guess about it. So is, it, is it pretty tough to pass? The state licensure exam? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's relatively tough, but we have a very high pass, passing rate. In fact, um, up till to, we have stats up to the year 2017. We had like a 92 to 100 percent passing rate for our programs that lead to licensure in the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's relatively hard, but we, I think we're a very supportive um, group as a department, as a school, in helping our students prepare the, for those licensure exams. All of our classes, of course, are gearing towards not only what you have to have to get the degree, but it's a very hands-on, practical um, programs that we have in order to get you ready for state licensure. That is the end goal, mm-hmm. is to produce quality counselors and marriage and family therapists. For sure. Well, if you're getting, talking 90 to 100 percent, I it's mean, pretty good obviously. Passing rate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, you, you started talking a few minutes ago about the, uh, specifically for school counseling, mm-hmm. and the other two, are they vastly different? 
Um, a, a little bit. So I, I don't have as much expertise in school counseling per se, but it's sometimes uh, confusing because we are the school of counseling, but one of the three programs underneath that umbrella is the school counseling program, right. which leads to the ability to get a job as a school counselor, sort of like a guidance counselor in a uh, school in the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. The other two programs are accredited by um, accreditation bodies that lead to specific licensure in the state of Ohio in order to be a, a fully licensed um, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist. I would imagine some of the, um, you know, theoretical type classes and, and Absolutely. Uh, some of the, maybe the research oriented stuff might kind of blanket all of those, but then maybe there's some other things that are more specific to. Excellent point. There are some classes that students in all three programs would inherently take sometimes together, but there are also program specific classes that you have to have to align with those accreditation standards to get you ready for your clinical work, which is at the end of all the didactic work usually that then leads to an internship, graduation, and eligibility to sit mm-hmm. for the state licensure exam. Those clinicals and internships, what are those? Are those what I'm imagining? I mean, are you? They are. They are. So near the end of your program, when you're almost done with your didactic courses, you actually start taking classes that have more of a clinical base to observe those ahead of you a cohort or two to see how they're doing things in our state-of-the-art clinic that's in the top level of our building, the Kima building. And students then do their practicum with actual. Um, folks from the community, closely supervised by faculty or other licensed, fully licensed um, adjunct staff, and they get their first taste of what it's like to actually see clients in a room. There's close supervision. Um, it's a training facility, but it's also a fully functioning um, mental health facility. And then we help you find the right internship somewhere in the larger community or, frankly, in the entire state. Mm-hmm. And if it meets the qualifications and if they are able to provide all the experiences and clients you need, you finish out the um, clinical hours that are required to get your degree and then be eligible for that state licensure exam. i got to tell you, I, I know of a lot of students, um, undergraduate students, who have taken advantage of the services, um, you know, because they did, you know, hit a bump in their life. Sure. and wanted to talk to somebody and thought that maybe that was the best thing to do. I, I can't tell you the number of people I know of who have literally just raved about the professionalism, but also the help that they received. That's good to hear. And really felt that it was a good move for them. And, and honestly, some were reluctant, you know, to do something on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They just didn't know what they were getting into. Sure. And I, I have yet to hear a negative story. Sure. I, maybe they're out there. I'm sure, we're it, not going to ask people to call is. in and tell us the negative right, stories. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, we do have a fully functioning mental health clinic on the top floor of our building, the Kima building, called the Clinic for Individual and Family Counseling. And it serves the university community as well as the community at large around us so uh, what's that like when you're you know you said you're you know you're still a student um but you're sitting down with people for the first time sure that's that's kind it's of a steep learning curve kind of inter- intimidating it can be but we, we, i think we do a good job to put it simply of doing sufficient amounts of hand holding during that first real clinical experience to then prepare you for internship we're a little bit more out of the nest now, and you're still under supervision from those at your site, wherever it may be, but you have significantly less interaction in terms of like supervision with um, the uh, faculty at that point. You still have an internship class. You still process things in a confidential um, group supervision class, but that first real taste of being with clients um, for yourself can be nerve-wracking, but oftentimes students will say how it's one of their most rewarding experiences they've had in the program because it's, it is so exhilarating. But you still have very close monitoring. You have a supervisor who's watching you closely. Um, because of the training facility, all the clients know this, everything is videotaped. It's kept confidential and destroyed later after, this, after the semester. But everything is recorded so that you can watch back what you're doing, how you're progressing. In some cases, you're actually even doing therapy in a room where there's live video going back to a larger conference room for your colleagues and your supervisor to make sure that everything is going okay. So 
it can be nerve wracking and it is a lot to learn and kind of grasp at first, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good supervision and support as well. Mm-hmm. I would think that would be kind of comforting to somebody who it is once know, they do it's not just for the student, but for the person who's seeking the, the counseling help sure. um, to know that, you know, I might be talking just to you, but there are all these other people as right. well who there's an entire treatment team, essentially. Th- yeah. You know, I mean, seven or eight heads is better than, than one when it comes to figuring out how to best help these folks who are coming in and, and in pain. So, uh, Reminder to our listeners, David Tefteller is here. He's an associate professor of instruction in the School of Counseling at the University of Akron. We're talking about the three different uh, master's programs that are available and uh, very high um, uh, passage rate on trying to obtain a license in, in really any of those areas. Um, what is the job market like? I mean, is there a pretty strong demand for, for oh, people to do this type of work? Absolutely. I mean, the demand has been pretty good for many years now, but as you know, you don't need a degree in this field to probably be able to estimate that with the way the world's going and the difficulties that exist, you know, unfortunately, lots of things are on the rise, including anxiety and depression. And um, I would say the COVID, the, the COVID pandemic certainly didn't help, but there's very good job market out there. And there's, there's, there's never going to be a shortage of folks, unfortunately, who need our help. And so our, most of our interns, you know, I would say probably get offered jobs where they're at once they finish their internship and they get it licensed initially. Um, but there's, there's a lot of mental health community, um, agencies out there in the larger community, and there's no shortage of um, positions available for, for students and going on to their careers. Mm-hmm. So, Is it, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to even, I guess it's kind of a loaded question, but what's the pay like? I mean, I guess yeah, it's, it's probably dependent question. on a lot of different. It depends factors, on. It but. depends on. You know, I, I have this discussion quite often with students. Sort of, it's, you know, there's pros and cons to working for an established agency where you get a salary and it's probably a little bit less than what you'd like, but it has benefits. You have time off. You know, they are in charge of all the overhead. They have all the clients come in. Your job is to show up and provide counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, on more of the business side, though, sometimes our, a lot of our students seem to want to eventually at least go into private practice, where you obviously have more autonomy. Your time is yours. Um, there is, I would say, potential to make more money when you're the person collecting the insurance checks. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, of course, then you are the boss. You're also the secretary. You're also the billing person unless you uh, hire those things out. And um, there's probably not any insurance. So the, the pay opportunities are pretty good once you establish yourself well in the community, mm-hmm. once you find a niche, once you are, get the fully independent licensure um, in your respective field. Um, just like any field, you start off a little bit lower, but then you, say, as you grow, things great. go well, and you make a good name for yourself, and you do good work, and it pays off. In I the think end. most people don't start out immediately after college making Rich. six figures. No, I they mean, don't. It's just not the way it works it's for most people. Works. So, right. You know, I would think um, in in a day when you know, I think that well, it was going on anyway, and then obviously during COVID, we got real used to doing things online. We did, and I know a lot of uh, people whether they had to continue to see the therapist virtually. Um, now maybe they don't have to, but they have the ability to. to, and some of them do that. And yes. I, I know of a couple of therapists in the area or counselors or whatever they are actually called where that's specifically what they do. Yeah, they only work online. It's become a niche form. Yeah. Teletherapy was already a thing, and, of course, ethics are always catching up to make sure that everything's being done the right way, maintaining high standards and confidentiality. But you're right. The pandemic forced us all to kind of go into hyperdrive when it came to understanding how to best utilize that, certainly for clients, but even for our students when it came to, you know, how we teach our courses here at the University of Akron. Mm-hmm. I remember right after it happened, it was a spring, and I was supposed to teach the practicum class where we're in the clinic fully for that upcoming summer, and we suddenly went to fully online and had to figure out all the systems to make sure they were all, of course, in accordance with standards and, and um, confidentiality and whatnot, and that entire semester was online. So, 
Um, our students are better prepared now than they were before, in some ways out of necessity, to, do, to provide telehealth. And telehealth is a, certainly a burgeoning thing in the field, and mm-hmm. there's, there's good ways of doing it. And some clients take advantage of it. I personally still like things mostly in person, yeah. but as part of my part-time private practice that I even have myself, there inevitably has to be a telehealth um, component for those who can't make it for some um, obvious or legitimate reason or they're too far away. In many ways, it provides a lot of opportunities for folks to receive help that they otherwise would not have yeah. access to possibly. I would imagine it, 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 as far as the business model goes, you were talking a moment ago about how if I want to go into private practice, I have a, there's a lot of things you need to think about sure. that really don't fall under that school of counseling umbrella so much. I point. mean, it has a lot to do with finance and business and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm sure you touch on those things in classes to some degree, but we do. I mean, there probably could be more. We try to have workshops at times. I, I w- to be frank, I would say that while we go over that as much as we possibly can, we can't entirely cover every single thing that you might encounter yeah. as an independent, you know, contractor or somebody who's running their own practice. I'm just wondering I, with the with the telehealth though. I mean, doesn't that make it easier or does it not well it makes it easier to see folks obviously from a distance or to not worry about uh travel but as far as the the ins and outs but and i may the, not need to go and lease a building or good you know, point some of those things that i would have had to if do you're before. doing it fully online you know i, I know yeah. a couple of folks who do things fully online but even then they typically have offices and there's still quite a bit of business stuff that one has to get used to and understand and i would venture to say most students it was certainly the case for myself coming out of school that you you find a good place to work and you find good mentors in the field who can kind of school you along the way on how to not only become a better therapist that you're getting supervision clinically, but also how to begin um, all the nuances of starting your own practice if and when that's something you want to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think there's, you know, pluses and minuses. To there that, are. No matter where you are in your career. That's right. You know, talking of online and, and obviously we all, everybody, everything was online a couple of years ago, three years ago, almost to the day. Um, can you earn these degrees fully online? Good question. The, the, the simple answer is no, and that's, that's more largely by design. I, what I oftentimes will tell applicants when I'm interviewing them is that, you know, even before the pandemic made it necessary to sort of expedite the online stuff, that we were already starting to transition as a, as a department, as a school in our programs to more of a hybrid model. Mm-hmm. So the relatively short answer is that most of our um, classes at this point are some kind of hybridized model of being both in-person as well as online synchronous and sometimes online asynchronous. There are a small number of select classes that are fully asynchronous, but as a programs and as a department, we want to maintain the quality that comes from still having face-to-face interactions, both for classes as well, certainly client interactions. And so, no, there's still a strong in-person component, but there's more of an online component than there was before, but you can't do it fully online. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think I have it seems like a lot of people like that. Kind Most of, of our model, students want that, you know, by right. far. Yeah, the vast majority want yeah, that. Yeah, we hear that a lot, too. Um, students got real real tired of everything being online sure. and just... Um, Zoom fatigue, right? Yeah, teams sure. fatigue. Right. We use teams here at Akron. Right? You know, you, you said in the beginning that people of, um, whether they're psychology majors or maybe some education majors, communication, whatever... Um, you know, might be well-primed to be successful in the School of Counseling. Mm-hmm. What is your student profile? I mean, not so much by That's major, but are we right. taught a lot of people fresh out of their undergrad. There's a lot of people who maybe went back to school 5, 10, 15 years after college the first time. Or great, what? great question. Like I said, my own experience was I was in my late 20s. I already had a s- small family growing. And I guess, in, technically speaking, I was not a traditional student. We have a fair amount of non-traditional students. So, yes, we have a decent amount of those who I'd say are fresh out of their undergrad or 
sometimes um, maybe a year or two removed from their undergrad because they want a little bit of experience at a bachelor's level in mm-hmm. the field at some community mental health agency. But we have plenty of folks who are, again, non-traditional. Like, non-traditional, I'm throwing up my fingers here because I don't want to throw out ages, but there are quite a few folks sometimes who come as a second career. They might be into their 30s or 40s or beyond and or um, empty nesters suddenly. So it's, it's never, we know it's cliche, but it's never too late to learn. And it's certainly true in our field that it's never too late to learn how to be a, a good uh, counselor or a therapist. And there's lots of opportunity and jobs out there. So, no, they're not all 22 years old, fresh yeah. out of undergrad. A decent amount are. I don't have exact statistics, but we get, we get all different types. And we, we really enjoy sometimes um, the life experience, so to speak, that those other folks bring. Well, I was just going to say that's – and especially you combine that it helps. with um, a, a large amount of face-to-face classes. Mm-hmm. And that's going to bring so much more vibrancy to those classrooms you know, a lot of different Absolutely. viewpoints, different types of experiences, not not even so much more experience versus less experience in something, but just different types different. of things. That's right. I mean, people who came in like yourself, where you already had a young family versus mm-hmm. people who don't have that yet. I mean, sure. you're going to look at things slightly differently, if not makes It makes things more diverse <laughs> and it makes things more rich and vibrant. Absolutely. When you have folks from different walks of life and different experiences, different ages, um, all of the above. So, yeah, we really celebrate and try to recruit diversity as well. Okay. We're going to find out in just a moment, um, you know, if, if you're somebody who, um, you know, perhaps could use uh, this type of, of, of therapy, uh, you know, community member, student, whatever, uh, we'll get the information on that here in, in just a minute. Before that, though, if people have specific information or specific questions, uh, just want to come and learn more about earning that graduate degree. Sure. You have an open house coming up. That'd be a great time to stop by and uh, get more specific answers and, yeah. and your personalized questions answered that we did not cover today. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to just look up our website, it's www.uacron.edu slash SOC. And we do have an open house that uh, Chris mentioned coming up on Friday, March 3rd from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And, and basically, it'll be a relatively informal uh, meet and greet. You have the opportunity to meet most or all of our faculty and staff. Um, in our building, it's called the Kima Building. It's on the southeast corner of Forge and Fur Hill, just north of campus. It's the address is 27 South Forge Street, and uh, the, like I said, the it's top right level is right off East Market. It's right across the street from the Howard House, if you're familiar with that at all, and very close to Market. But yeah, during that 10 to 11:30 time, you, you don't have to show up right at 10. You can show up at any time. We'll basically just be cycling folks through um, a, a simple presentation to explain some of the things I've already said today, as well as give a full tour of our fully functioning mental health clinic I mentioned earlier um, upstairs. So All right. And for like other folks who need out. information, maybe just go to the website go to the website. as well. And That's right. When you go to the school website, the School of Counseling, you'll be able to look at the specifics, including how to apply for all three of those programs I mentioned earlier. Okay. And then for people who want, you know, maybe want to come in, maybe they, they want to talk to somebody. Sure. Is that another website thing? Well, I would, I would, I would probably suggest, no, absolutely. So I would suggest going to the website and looking at maybe the directors of each of the respective programs. Mm-hmm. Dr. Delia Owens is our um, coordinator for the school counseling program. Dr. Robert Schwartz is the coordinator for the CMHC program. And Dr. Heather Catafias is the coordinator for the marriage and family therapy program. Their names, their emails, their phone numbers are on there. Oftentimes, folks will initially um, get the application process started by reaching out to one of them respectively and then even asking for the opportunity to get a personal tour outside of this open house if they want to sometime. And we're in the building, and if they're nearby, we're, we're certainly um, I'm happy to give them a tour and show them around. Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP-FM. Z-